Good morning and welcome to Tanzania SST Convo. My name is Lydia Asifa and in the next 30 minutes we hope to give you a small taste of our experience in Tanzania last spring. For those of you who don't know, Tanzania is located in East Africa, south of Kenya. The official language of Tanzania is Swahili. Tanzania was one of the first African nations to gain independence from colonization in 1961 under the nation's first president, Julius Nyerere. One of the unique aspects of Tanzanian history is that Tanzania is one of the only nations in the world, definitely in Africa, to have obtained independence peacefully. And to this day, um, Tanzanians are very proud of their nation's peaceful history. For the first half of our time in Tanzania, we stayed with host families in Dar es Salaam, a city of about three million people located right on the Indian Ocean. Like most SST groups, we spent our mornings learning the language and listening to lectures at the University of Dar es Salaam. Following the lectures, we were then free to check out museums, visit the fish market, walk around downtown, um, or go cloth shopping, as you can see. After about six weeks in Dar es Salaam, the group took a cross-country camping trip throughout northwestern Tanzania, where we saw President Nyerere's birthplace, camped near a spewing volcano, and participated in a traditional village dance. Our trip culminated in a safari in the Serengeti National Park, a 30,000-kilometer reserve encompassing one of the world's oldest ecosystems. After this trip, the group dispersed to various service locations in northwestern Tanzania to live with host families for the next five and a half weeks. We concluded our time in Tanzania on the island of Zanzibar, where we spent several days exploring the island culture, visiting a spice plantation, snorkeling, and relaxing on the beach. As a group, we were very fortunate to have leaders who lived in Tanzania for eight years and were pretty fluent in Swahili. Um, Jan and Peter were our leaders and did a fantastic job um, acquainting us with the culture. So, and now Ben will share about host families. One of the first things I have noticed in Tanzania, a wonderful family that will never stop feeding me. We got up at 6.30 in the morning for a run, and the generosity of my brother Mosi's offer to run with me became more evident. He could keep up with me just fine, but it was obvious that running was not something he often chose to do. However, since he saw I wanted to go for a run, he was willing to go with me just to make me feel a bit more at home. I've learned that there is always room for one more at the table. When I arrived in my service location, I met my host brother who was about my age. I was told that he would follow me everywhere and never would leave my side at the request of the area's bishop. I had a friend to go with me everywhere indeed, to the local shop, to work, to my room, and yes, even to the bathroom. Later, I discovered he was not actually my host brother. He was technically my host uncle, and his family lived the next town over. He was spending his two-week Christmas break away from his family, taking care of a foreigner who barely spoke the language. One teacher at the secondary school met me only once in passing, and the next day sent a huge load of bananas to the house to welcome me. We often have passers-by in for tea and or food, even though my host mother has mentioned several times that life here is rough and money is tight. Even so, they're always ready to share what they do have and help you when they can, even if it means adding a fourth person to a double bed. By the conclusion of the program, I had been absorbed into the various families and fully expected to return in the future. 
These are just a few of the multitude of examples from our group of the hospitality and the generosity that was shown to us by our host families while we spent time in the country. Uh, the most memorable personal experience for me was on my 21st birthday, uh, after which I wrote this journal entry, which I will briefly share. I don't have words for what happened tonight. I was told that things would happen on SST, the generosity of which I could never pay back. Tonight was that time. After finally finishing my essays and journaling around 8.30, I went downstairs and sat in the candlelight with my family. I assumed dinner would, be soon, would soon be ready, so when I saw a growing amount of light in the dining room, I assumed it was preparation so we could see better. The next thing I knew, my brother Muita is carrying out a birthday cake covered in candles, reading, Happy Birthday, Ben, 21YRS. I was now glad there was no electricity as the light from the candles was intensified to brilliance by the way it broke through the darkness but concealed me well enough to hide the tears coming to my eyes. I can't say more now about how this made me feel. This is a different kind of gratitude than I've ever felt and I don't understand and can't fully express it. Such holidays at home often come with a sense of expectation and entitlement and I'm finding it very difficult to respond in this context. It was a truly beautiful moment in my entire life as they sang happy birthday to me. We cut the cake, and I had to feed a piece to every person in the room, beginning with the elders, as they clapped and took pictures. It was moments like this, as well as the more mundane day-to-day -day activities, where uh, our Tanzanian host families really showed us hospitality and made us feel welcome. And I think I speak for all of us when I say, I hope that we brought just a little piece of it back with us. Hi, I'm Annalise Smooker. Um, having many art majors on our trip uh, made it that we got lost a lot, but uh, it also meant that we had some pretty sweet art projects at the end. Um, and we're going to show some of those pictures right now. And I'm going to talk about my project a little bit. This one up here um, was my host cousin named Borny. And um, I would write about people's stories and then draw a picture of them. So this is Borny. A 15-year-old relative, he stays with our family to attend school. This is not an uncommon practice here. Relatives move freely between houses. I don't think I've been in a Tanzanian household yet where the only people living there are the immediate family. One morning, I got up at 5.30 a.m. to use the bathroom. I'm convinced that my bladder is smaller than most Tanzanians. And I found Borny in it. I asked him why he was up so early. He told me he gets up this early every morning for school. He gets home around 3.30 p.m. and promptly starts the dishes from lunch. Education is something many Tanzanians don't take for granted. Borny studies hard into the evening. I'm constantly amazed at the drive of 15-year-old boys. Borny's laugh is one of the best laughs I've ever heard. I'll do almost anything I can to hear it. One of my fondest memories from service is one night after confessing my fear of siafu, or the equivalent of fire ants, Borny took the chance for a joke and ran with it. After watching the neighbors making war on their siafu, this consists of running into the yard with burning objects and throwing them everywhere, Borny turned to me and exclaimed, Wanakuja! Wanakuja! They are coming! They are coming! We all burst out laughing, and this was the joke the rest of the evening. There were so many times Helen, Borny, and I would be trying to cook in the kitchen, but instead be keeling over laughing. We did all the work while the men sat in the living room and stared at the wall, waiting for supper.
My name is David Rumsey, and I did service in the city of Tabora. When I was on service, I personally experienced the Tanzanian tradition of being fed enormous amounts of food. My eating habits here in America prepared me somewhat for the expectations of my hosts, <laughs> but I was not sure what to think when I saw my first breakfast. When I got up, I found 12 pieces of bread waiting for me. I thought, well, I guess they want to make sure I have enough food on my first day, and usually I will get maybe four pieces or so. As it turned out, I was wrong. That turned out to be perhaps the smallest breakfast I had as I gradually worked up to 16 pieces of bread. <laughs> At the end of service, I was generally given slightly less bread, maybe 14 pieces, but also an entire squash. Some days, it was difficult for me to consume everything that was put in front of me. However, I dared not slow down, as my host father kept a close eye on me, usually silent, but sometimes just saying, Eat! <laughs> I did my best, but I was never entirely sure if he thought I was eating enough. However, that changed one evening when Alex Troyer came to eat supper and stay the night until he could catch a bus in the morning. Since Alex is a pretty small guy, I knew, I knew he would probably eat less than me, and I did not know how my father, father would react. I usually ate around three very large plates of food, any less, and my father would not be happy. <laughs> well, Alex started slowing down about halfway through his first plate and could not finish it before he had to stop, clutching his painfully full stomach. My father looked on intently, and he did not seem pleased. <laughs> it became clear, Alex, after it became clear Alex was done, my father spoke up. David, he eats very well. I like David. You, not so much. <laughs> For a minute, I did not know what to think, since this was the first time I had actually... For the, this was the first time he had actually seemed satisfied with my appetite. In the end, I did the only thing I could think of, and without a word, reached over to help Alex finish his meal. I'm Laura Harnish, and Lydia and I were together on service in a small town called Buturi. One day, despite the menacing blue-black sky, we went for a run with John, one of the students from the secondary school we were helping out at. As we ran up a hill we, to look out over the village, rain began to pelt down on us. Soon, it became hail, and lightning illuminated the sky. We vainly attempted to run back to the house to beat the storm. Then, Liddy remembered a Tanzanian novel we read for class. Mr. Miyombe Carey and his wife, Buganoga, their son, Ntulawalo, and daughter, Buliwali. This said, traditionally, people can duck into others' homes, to strangers' homes, to get out of the rain. I revealed this groundbreaking idea to my companions, and we ran into a nearby house. In the house, we were warmly welcomed by a gregarious gathering of grandmas who offered us cups of hot chai and some chapati. Despite the lively conversation, we decided to make a run for it when the rain let up a bit. To our dismay, the lightning soon struck a nearby field. The three of us took off sprinting and yelling towards the house. However, due to our intake of chapati and our fitness level, we devised a new plan. Laura yelled, quick everyone, get into the lightning position. John and I were a bit confused. <laughs> 
But she reassured us that was something she learned at camp, and that would prevent us from dying if struck by lightning. <laughs> she then proceeded to squat in the middle of the road, so we decided to join her. We squatted, facing each other with our palms together on top of our heads. <laughs> if we weren't ridiculous looking enough already, there were other students walking down the road who silently decided to join us. <laughs> Needless to say, the lightning position prevented us from dying, and afterwards, the students liked to greet us by putting their palms together on top of their heads. <laughs> Uh, my name is Rachel Slava, and I'm going to share with you a little bit about uh, my service assignment, and some will follow. Um, I'm a nursing major, and I'd like to share with you all a glimpse into what I did for service. Um, I worked in a small hospital in uh, Shrati, which is by Lake Victoria in the northern part of Tanzania. Uh, if you know me, you know that I like to be independent and have choices about what I will do. My service in Shrati allowed me to do just that. Yes, I was instructed to go to work every day, um, but once I was there, I was provided with a vast array of choices. I could choose to spend the day in surgery, the pediatric wing, watch babies being born, or help adults with a wide range of diseases. Most of the time, I chose to go to surgery. At first, I just watched since the extent of my nursing training was knowledge of Florence Nightingale. After observing for a few days, the Tanzanian doctors asked if I wanted to help. My excitement and the opportunity to help with surgery overruled the little voice in my head that said I wasn't prepared. I scrubbed in on multiple surgeries, the highlights being a leg amputation, hysterectomy, hernia surgery, and C-section. I gained practical knowledge in the nursing field that confirmed my call to be a nurse. I am forever grateful for the opportunity I had to serve in Shrati. My name's Charity Grimes, and I spent the second half of SST <clears throat> in the village of Nata Mbiso. While my time in Dar es Salaam was a valuable experience, for me, service made SST. I experienced a wonderful host family, an interesting and challenging service placement, and the warmth of community and Tanzanian hospitality. The village of Nata has an interesting dimension that most villages don't have. <clears throat> that is the nearby presence of the Singida Grumeti Wildlife Reserves. These wildlife reserves border the Serengeti National Park and are part of a private investor ecotourism conservation initiative. In short, a private investor, in this case an extremely wealthy American, who cares about conservation invested in conserving this area of land and set up low-impact, high-end tourism to bring in money and help fund the efforts as well as funnel some of that money back into the local communities. My service placement was in their community development offices. When I showed up, there was a lot of work to be done on their newest undertaking that was starting an environmental education center for secondary school students. The timing was just about perfect as none of their overworked employees had time to work on the curriculum and I needed a project. 
So I ended up spending many of my days researching and developing the first draft curriculum for this center. While I spent a significant part of my time in the Grumetti offices and my service placement provided um, relevant job experience, by far my most significant personal growth occurred and meaningful relationships were built in the village and my host home. Perhaps more than time spent in offices and meetings, I'll remember times like the day my host mother taught me to make chapati and chai on a coal stove, and the many times we invited unexpected passers-by into our home for supper. I'll remember the afternoons spent with my sisters eating sugar cane and laughing, and the evenings we spent singing Tanzanian hymns by lantern light. We had good times, but life wasn't always easy. I'll also remember freezing cold bucket baths, carrying water from the wells and firewood from the bush, and eating the same foods day after day. I'll remember watching the difficulty of trying to raise a family without opportunities, and my sisters crying as they try to squeeze their feet into their two sizes, two small school shoes because there's no money for new ones. Perhaps most of all, I'll remember the wonderful people I was fortunate enough to meet, the relationships I was able to build in only a few weeks, and the ways in which those relationships helped me realize what's most important in my own home. Good morning, my name is Leah. For my time in service, I performed in a group named 10 in 1, meaning 10 people, one cause, in a Serengeti village called Mugumu. 10 in 1's purpose is to educate young people about the dangers of AIDS, how it's spread, who can get it, and how to use contraception by singing, dancing, acting, and rapping. Our group toured around areas of northern Tanzania. We performed in schools, churches, and acting workshops. This was an amazing opportunity for me, but it was extremely challenging. On my first day of work, the leader for 10 in 1 came up to me and said, you are going to be a member of, in our touring group. You're going to write a song about AIDS in Swahili, teach it to 10 in 1, it will be used for all of our performances, and it has to be done by today at noon. I, I panicked. I, I didn't know what to do. I said to myself, I can't do this. I, I don't know any Swahili, let alone anything about AIDS. I've never written a song. But then I waited for a while, and I said to myself, Leah, calm down. You can do this. The first thing I did was jot down random phrases about AIDS in English and put them together in some weird poem. Then I ran home to my host sister so she could help me translate. Magically, the song rhymed in Swahili when it was done. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> okay. Then I had to write a melody to the words. I remembered a Tanzanian hymn that was sun sung in the Mugumu church the previous Sunday. I matched the song to the words, and voila! I created and wrote a song in Swahili before noon. I didn't believe that I was capable of doing anything, but then I found out that I could do more than I thought. I realized that I am capable of doing well and should believe in myself a little more. By the second week of being involved with 10 in 1, I was giving lectures about AIDS in America, acting in Swahili, writing plays, dancing, and singing my song about AIDS, 
in front of hundreds of Tanzanian students. Who would have thought? What's more remarkable is that everyone in my group only spoke Swahili, but we were able to understand each other somehow and work effectively to spread the word about AIDS, which made my service extra rewarding. Our group will sing the song that I wrote. Um, because of time constraints, we're only going to sing the first part, the fourth part, and the sixth part to the song. <coughs> <coughs> and I'd like to share with you some about our trip through the Serengeti. We spent three days, one day going in and then one day traveling around in the park and another day on the way out. The thing that struck me most about the Serengeti was the openness, the vastness. You would see a hill off in the distance and it would look very large and you would think maybe it's just a mile. And then you would see a house next to it that was so small and you realize that it was miles and miles apart. And the colors. Most of the pictures probably looked just green and that's what it looked like at first. But as we went on and on, you noticed all the different colors of greens. There were just thousands of different things that you couldn't take in at once. And the deep sky blue. We rode in cars, typically five or six people with a driver. When we were sightseeing, the tops of these cars could come off and we could stand up and look around. Some of the roads we traveled on during the park visit were actually some of the better roads in Tanzania. The day that we spent mostly sightseeing, we would race around via the drivers having radios to try to see different things. The first thing that I remember seeing, and my favorite, was a giraffe. We also saw elephant, zebras, hippos, warthogs, a lioness, leopard, blue butt monkeys, and dictic gazelles. All of the animals seem kind of surreal now looking back, but they were a very important part of being there. In my car, we had a bet to see who was the first person that would be able to get three animals in one shot. Turns out, we went around the bend, and there were seven of them all in the same area. Part of this was very important for me. It's very important for the Tanzanians. It's a connection to their history, to their past. It's where they came from, and it's where they're going. It's connected to their present economics, tourism, and the increasing of the need to protect their biodiversity. It's connected to our future and their future, both culturally and environmentally for the global economics. Overall, Serengeti was a very important part to me and a very important part for all of us. <laughs> 